I'm Maria. And I'm Roisin. And welcome to the Fitness Fertility Podcast. This podcast is all about how improving your physical fitness can help support you on your very own fertility journey. I'm a personal trainer who specializes in training women with fertility problems. I myself have PCOS and have had two beautiful boys. I'm on a mission to help you do the same. Before we get into it, we will be discussing adult themes such as where do babies come from, pregnancy loss and bereavement. We may also be sweary from time to time. We are optimistic, lighthearted girls, but we know this is a really stressful time for some of our listeners. We respect that. In this week's episode of the Fitness Fertility Podcast, I am delighted to welcome Christine to the show. Christine has been a personal trainer and coach for the last 18 years, and she works with women to help them become strong and confident without yet another diet. She works with women before, during and after their pregnancy, and her key focus is on creating a strong body and a strong mind. Christine loves her work and goes above and beyond for every client she works with, helping them to achieve fantastic results, both physically and mentally. Christine, it is awesome having you here. Welcome to the Fitness Fertility Podcast. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Let's just jump straight in. You have been in this industry for a long time and you are fabulous at your work. So how did you come to working in the health and fitness space? I actually kind of fell into the industry, to be perfectly honest. I worked in banking for a really long time. I knew that I wanted to work in the health industry and I just didn't know really what area I was wanting to work in. I had not been very athletic. I had always thought of myself as being athletic, but I just had not really found my my place of where that was. And so after baby number two, I decided that that I really wanted to make some changes because I wanted to be a good example for them, really. And so I had started going into the gym and then it just kind of had the trickle effect from there. I started taking, um, you know, some nutrition courses and then I've sort of done a bit of everything. I've been a group instructor. I've been a spin instructor. And now my primary focus is strength and nutrition and really focusing on people building a lifestyle that suits them. Mm -hmm. I love this because it's very holistic. And I can see, because obviously I can see you and I can see how passionate you are when you're talking about this as well, which is awesome. And I know that you do work a lot with women. Why do you enjoy supporting women on their own journey? I find that a lot of the women that are coming to me, I can just really resonate with what their story is. It's just an easy transition for us to have this conversation of the changes that they're wanting to make. And I think the insecurities that often we will have, whether we're speaking about it or not, and then often going back to old habits that we perceive that this is the way that we have to make change. And so I really like to show women that there's a different path that feels so much better, where we can feel good about ourselves on the whole journey. Just a bit of an aside question, really. Do you notice a big difference working with men compared to women in terms of maybe their mentality or their approach? I'm just curious. I think with the women, because I have worked with men when I was working in person, I worked with a good mix of both. Women, we talk so much more about our feelings. And I think that the, <laughs> and I think with the women also that we talk a little bit more about the whole picture. With the men that I would have come in, it was a lot more pointed of just do, you know, doing this. When coaching with women, I think we're really digging into a lot more of all of life. It's not just the strength training. So yeah, it's a bit more all encompassing, I find, you know, talking about behaviors, um, how we speak to ourselves. And this ties really nicely into, I guess, your overriding philosophy. 
because I know that you focus on lifestyle for, for the long term. This isn't like a quick mm-hmm. fix. It's not a summer shred. And the kind of key philosophy that I know you work by is this idea of be more and not less. So would you mm-hmm. mind just digging into that a little bit? Because I, I really want to know more for about sure. this. For sure. If you read anything, um, you'll see, you know, it's uh, often about diets, weighing less. I want to weigh less. And so I really encourage the women that I work with. I use what we call the happy bubble in our coaching group. And so it's what are all of the things that make you feel good? And so that's about being more, feeling more, feeling more fulfilled and just doing things on a more positive perspective rather than thinking about the things that we aren't. Let's think about the things that we are. That's the philosophy that I like to use in my coaching is what are we going to do to celebrate ourselves where we are at now? And then if there's something more that you're wanting to be, if you envision yourself, you know, version 2.0, what does that look like? Let's start focusing on that. And then now, how are we going to get there and celebrate it all along the way? I love the celebration idea, especially when I'm working in the fertility space. One of the things that tends to happen is that self-esteem takes a bit of a bashing. And so for me, the wins are massively, massively important because it helps to build up your resilience and and the positive self-talk that you have about yourself. I'm just being nosy now, but what types of wins would you celebrate with your clients as you go through? I think a big one is making some time for themselves. Even, you know, if it's 15 minutes a day, creating morning habits is a really good one because I think starting your day with something that feels good for you really kind of sets you forth for what kind of a day you're going to have. Things like people are maybe focusing on getting more steps per day. So many other things besides the scale and aesthetic. Uh, It's all of the other things that are just part of your daily life. Do they feel good? I love this. And it's funny that you say making time for yourself because when I train with women, I like to send them some motivational information and I like to send them a postcard. And on the postcard, I've got written quote from Michelle Obama. And it just says, we need to do a better job of putting ourselves higher on our own to-do list. And I'm sitting here reading it because um, <laughs> I just kind of grabbed it as you were saying that. And I was like, yes, this is exactly the kind of whole philosophy that I am working on with my clients. Um, and we're always talking about these habits and we're always talking about it's okay to make time for yourself. What type of habits would you encourage women to bring in on their day-to-day life, like these morning habits that we're looking at? Where would you begin with this? It'll be different depending on each person, but some of the things that I could just give some examples is it might be that before they weren't even eating breakfast, now we're making sure that they're incorporating breakfast so that they're feeling like they have more energy throughout the day. Really reassessing what do you do when you get up first thing in the morning? Are you on your screen scrolling? Does that make you feel negative? So then let's change up maybe something that you're doing first thing in the morning, having some quiet space that could perhaps be your training time. And just making sure when we say book a hair appointment or a doctor's appointment, we go to it. Book some appointments for yourself (laughs) that are for other kinds of self-care and, you know, be okay with booking those times. I had a lady once say to me, I want to end my day knowing I can say, now that felt good. And it really resonated with me that that is, I like to use that in my coaching with the women I'm working with too, is that how do you feel at the end of your day? But then how do you feel at the start of your day? I I just think it has to be the two. (laughs) I might steal that and pretend it was my own idea, but I love that. You should. I'll be like, just don't, if you happen to hear this on the podcast, that's just a coincidence. Um, But I... (laughs) No, I love this because so every Sunday I do Intention Setting Sunday. It's all about setting our goals for the week. And it 
you know, mm-hmm. you sit down, you get your diary out, you look at your nutrition, you look at your food. Have I done the food shop yet? But actually what I might try one week is just to kind of the same idea, but flip it around a little bit and maybe just ask the question, you know, if, mm-hmm. if you want to end your day and the day feels good, what do you have to do in that day? I, really like I think that. it instills the the positive and you're like, oh, it's exciting to think about how do I feel at the end of my day <laughs> instead yeah. of daunting. Right. I want to feel feel like I've had a productive, positive day where I'm not stressed to the eyeballs and where I've had my exercise. That's, you know, exactly. That is the goal. I was laughing Mm -hmm. earlier because you were saying about making these appointments, getting her nails done, getting her hair done, going for the massage and then actually going to them. Now, would you mind just, I think I know where you're coming from on this, but could you just talk us through a little bit about why you actually said that in the first place? It's interesting because I find that we will book appointments for our kids to go to all sorts of things. We'll sign them up for sports. We'll spread our energy in so many spaces. But then when it comes to really taking care of our internal health, do we slow down enough to do that too? And so that's where I think it's really important is book in the time. Do you know when you're going to go? If it's someone that I have who's starting with walking, when are you going to walk? What days are you going to walk? How long are you going to go for? And we just start small, right? And then book it in. And, you know, if, even if for some people they like to set a timer to remind them, maybe they're getting up kind of for a break during the day. And then just make sure that you make that a high priority because we are supposed to be a high priority so that we can show up better in other parts of our life too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. And again, it's the idea of putting your own oxygen mask on first because if we're run ragged through work or not eating right or not moving, it's really difficult to support other people. And it is not what we're looking for. I think sometimes women feel guilty for mm-hmm. prioritizing themselves. And I know sometimes I do and I'm 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 trying not to. Because I'm not meaning like going away traveling for three months and leaving all my responsibilities. I mean like going to get my <laughs> hair done or spending yes. a bit of money on a massage or actually taking an hour to go for a walk and do you find this when you're working with women? Is, is there a lot of guilt in this kind of space? What would you say? I feel like there's so many different emotions, but guilt is definitely one that comes up is that they feel like, well, when can I take time for myself? And then it will, oh, it will take away from other people. But if we really spin that is if you take a little bit of time for yourself, you're going to start your day off feeling better. You're going to end off your day feeling better. And in the middle of it, when you're communicating with these people that you are giving your time to, you're going to just show up feeling so much better about yourself. So then all around, I think it's just a win. (laughs) I completely agree. And I'm really interested in this because for, I think, many women, and I'm sure some men as well, but particularly women going through the fertility journey, the fertility journey is a holistic journey. Like, And I've Mm -hmm. just been chatting to a couple of, you know, awesome women tonight and They're looking for something holistic because they need the nutrition, they need the fitness, but they need the self-care, they need the community, they need all of those aspects. But part of it is, but when am I going to fit this in? Like, I feel guilty Mm -hmm. about spending time cooking, spending time going to the gym. And there is definitely a lot of guilt around this, but it's incredibly, incredibly important. Why do you think we do feel guilty? Like, why do you think this actually exists? That is a difficult question to answer. I can't say for certain why we feel guilt, but I feel like sometimes women are the are the caregivers in the home or they're the ones who just take care of certain things in the home. So something that I really like to work on with the ladies I'm working with is that maybe we could spread some of those things out. And instead of feeling like we have to be responsible to take care of everything, you know, if you have other people in your household, maybe we could share some of those things 
or I'll talk to them about doing habit stacking, really assessing where are you spending your time? Like say, for example, if you watch three hours of TV in the evening, do you really enjoy doing it or is it just habit? And if you like to do that, and maybe, I don't know, maybe you and your partner like to watch a show at night. What if you were to set it up in your kitchen and you could do a bit of food prep and you could watch your show at the same time, you still get to spend your time with your partner and it's a win in so many ways, but you're just kind of refocusing how you're spending that time. I'm just going to say here, Roisin is going to be delighted because one of the things (laughs) Roisin loves to talk about is habit stacking because it's (laughs) But you're absolutely right. I think people are busy. Yeah, everybody is busy. And I think one of the Mm -hmm. main things that I have, and I'm sure you deal with all the time is, yeah, I really want to get fit and I really want to get healthy. And and for me in particular, I want to support my fertility, but I'm busy. I've got a full-time job. I work Mm -hmm. all the hours. So how do I fit it in? And this is one of the big things and absolutely habit stacking. I love the idea of doing the food prep in the kitchen. I even say to people, if you have to put Netflix on and do your workout at the same time, because at least you're still getting the workout in and that's okay. I would rather you did that than no workout at all. Or if you're listening Mm -hmm. to the podcast, go for a walk while you're listening to the podcast. It's these things make a massive difference and you can fit them in. And the whole thing just becomes much more enjoyable. I think with the busy too is assessing what is your busy. Can you talk to (laughs) us a little bit about that? Because I love this idea. So what do you mean by that? (laughs) So it's, I think that it also ties in a little bit with the guilt is that I feel like we have become such a busy society I will often have ladies write down, like, what do you do in each day? Are those of value for you? Does that feel really good for you? Is there something that maybe you'd be willing to give up? I'll use an example with a lady that I was working with, and we spoke in December. We talked a lot in December about how is January going to feel for everybody? And how are you going to set yourself up so that it feels maybe better than it has in the past? So she decided to do a technology dump for the month of January. So no social media. Because she knew it was going to set herself up to not feel good about herself. She reduced her screen time by 87%. Wow. So I think it's just sometimes we have to have that honest conversation with ourselves. It's like we feel guilty about pulling away from some of the things that we need to do, but we forget to look at kind of the whole picture of where are we really spending our time. 80. I mean, that is phenomenal. That's huge. Yeah. She said she was like flabbergasted and embarrassed. (laughs) Oh my God. I love that she had the both. Oh, that's amazing. Did she feel good? Was she sleeping better? So great. She said that she didn't fall into the rabbit hole of feeling bad about herself. Um, She stayed more active in January because she wasn't spending all the time doing that as well. And we pre-planned going into a time of year that she knew was a difficult time so that she would take away what it was that was not making her feel good. And focusing on walking, doing more mobility, and spending a bit more time on some of her food prep. So it was just trading up her habits. And she's feeling really great. I mean, and going into this month, she's feeling super happy that she made those habits through a month that typically poses to be a bit of a challenge. And so now, you know, she started making implementing those changes that she's going to be able to continue with that she said didn't, not even realizing really where she was spending her time before. There's a couple of things I'm thinking here. The first thing I was thinking was, it sounds like such a simple question, but Mm -hmm. it's so powerful. Like what makes you feel good? And the other thing I love is because we're talking about habits, I guess, like we said at the very beginning, we're not working in the field of like a summer shred. This is we're trying Mm -hmm. to develop and support our clients with lifelong habits that will 
that will really stand them in good stead for the future. And that's what I love about this, because if every time she, for example, is feeling overwhelmed, she can come back to the question of what helps me feel good. And Mm -hmm. that can be like her center point. That's a really lovely space. And then she can go from there. I love this idea of habits. I guess one of the things I'd like to ask you is, and it ties into what I've just been saying, where do we even start when we're trying to implement healthy habits? Do you have any advice for us? Because I think this can be really hard. I think always downsize it. I like to look at the big picture, but then I like to break it way down. But often when we think of making change, we think we have to change everything. So if I'm having a conversation with the women in the group and we're talking about making change and I hear I'm going to change this, 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 and this, I say, okay, how does that suit your lifestyle? And we look at it from there. Is that technically going to fit in? Okay, if not, then let's pick one that feels it has the least resistance. What's the easiest thing that we can start with and change? So often that's what we'll do. So I have some women that are in my group, we're focusing on moving. Some women are focusing on nutrition and some are kind of blending it all together. And some might be spending a lot more time on focusing on a more of a positive mindset. That's where it kind of is individualized. But I think just knowing we don't have to change everything you know, 1% change equals change. And so if we just start small when that feels really good, and I think also too, when when you first step into making change, it's scary. Just be a little bit kinder to yourself. You don't have to do everything all at once. (laughs) 1% change equals change. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, you couldn't be more right on that. That's incredible. I think one of the things that's scary when it comes to change is that sometimes people feel really vulnerable. And I think the impression I get from some of the women I'm working with is it's their identity. So they don't Mm -hmm. see themselves as someone that works out. They don't see themselves as someone that goes to the gym. They don't see themselves as someone that starts a nutrition plan. Sometimes what's happening is they're a bit nervous to try and move their identity into that space because it's like they don't feel like they have the right to do that. They're like, well, I'm not a gym person, so I can't work out. Or Mm -hmm. I'm not one of those gym people that that look at what they eat. I'm not a runner because I don't run. And I think actually what's happening is they feel very vulnerable at putting themselves out there. They maybe Mm -hmm. feel embarrassed that we're starting from the beginning at something because, you know, a lot of the women I work with are late 30s, maybe early 40s, and they've maybe never been to the gym before and they they feel vulnerable about stepping into that space. So sometimes the change can be really difficult to make for a number of different reasons. A lot of them are psychological Do you work with many women around this idea of vulnerability? 100%, yes. It's something I like to talk about right away. I think actually just from a a coaching perspective, it's something that I will actually bring up even if they do not, because often they won't even want to say because they feel embarrassed. And I remember feeling that way when I first started going into the gym too. And so just reminding them that they, you know, where to go to for support, you know, when they're our group of women, everybody's talking and supporting one another. And, you know, if you're working with a coach is speak to your coach, tell them how you feel. Change is hard and really leaning into that, like, well, why am I wanting to make the change? And it's typically because it's beneficial to you. So does that outweigh the pain of the discomfort. And I think that's where taking the steps slower can feel just so much nicer. And emotionally, that feels a lot better than trying to just jump in, you know, both feet in. Um, It can just be a bit of a gentler approach, right? Mm. Another thing that I've really noticed through speaking to people this week is they're worried about me coming in 100% and me judging very harshly. And, Mm -hmm. And so when I've said things like, 
no, it's okay. We'll go for, you know, we'll aim for 80, 20%. We'll aim to do three meals a week and we don't need to go all in on the seven. I can see Mm -hmm. the relief. I can see the relief on their faces because they're like, good, because trying to go all in is too much on Mm -hmm. one go. One of the things I'm really interested in is when you've maybe got one habit, I'm I'm going to say sorted, but I mean, you're working well with one habit because, you know, Mm -hmm. we're working well with one habit. At what point would you consider bringing in more habits and how would you do that? Because I think one of the things that that quite often happens is people try to change all of the things all at once. Mm -hmm. So at what point would you say, okay, we're ready now, we're ready to bring in this next habit, whatever it is that that, that's what we're going to work on? Again, I think it is individualized because some people will like to spend a bit more time. I always do kind of a temperature check. You know, how is that feeling for you? Do you feel that that habit is clearly instilled? And how willing do you feel to add something else? Often I find if you're having a conversation where you can see the person, you can almost see their emotion come out. And if I get that kind of a reaction, then we'll talk about it as, you know, if adding in more isn't feeling like it's the right time, there's nothing wrong with just continuing to build on that one habit that you're working on, where some people might have a little bo- bit more space to be working on one to three habits. So I do think that that's individualized, but I think just really digging into the one at a time is the best way to go. And with the group of women that I'm with, we'll usually focus on one habit per month as a whole group and people choose whether or not they want to go in it. They might be just really focusing on what it is that they're doing that's been specific for them. And then if they want to add that in as well, they can, but it's not, you don't have to. What would you say are Mm -hmm. some of the key habits that people do work on with you? If you had to kind of give us a top three. Uh, Top three would be setting up their environment. So that would mean like, where are you going to be active? And what is your sleep space like? Mm -hmm. And then kitchen pantry. Those would be the top three, say, an environment is what I would suggest. We work a lot on changing the value of your food, not cutting out food, just kind of switching it around a little bit. That's going to give you some change that people are looking for without feeling like if you're a donut lover, I can't have a donut. You can. When are we going to work it in instead of being frustrated with eating all of the donuts? I was just going to say, what do you mean by value with food? Because that's a really interesting (laughs) idea. Um, Yeah. Could you just tell me a little bit more about what you mean about value with food and and mindset with food? Because this is massive. I think this is huge. For sure. I primarily work with women in the 80-20 rule that you had mentioned earlier as well. So 80% of the time focus on this, 20% of the time focus on that. It's common. This conversation is, you know, I'm going to cut out eating out. I'm going to cut out any junk food. I'm going to cut out all of these things. And so I always listen in that because it's understandable that that would be the conversation. But instead of thinking that you have to cut out something that you really enjoy, like for myself, I love chocolate. I don't cut it out. I just work it in. So I focus on the primary part of my food intake is going to be things that make my body feel good. I enjoy the food and it's going to give me the nutritional value that I'm looking for that match the results that I'm looking for. And then if I want to have some chocolate with that as well, that falls under that 20%. I think when we break down the 80-20, it's really fascinating for people because they think it has to be an all or nothing. But using an 80-20 gives flex in being able to incorporate things that you thought you might have to cut out. And then they're happier because they know they don't have to cut out some of their favorites. <laughs> yeah, it just helps keep you sane because it's really It bad. really does, yeah. <laughs> it does. yeah. Really, because we don't want to lose our minds on this journey. It's, no, you know, we it's don't. Hard. Yeah, Staying exactly. Healthy is hard. Going through yeah. fertility, which is obviously the space that I, I focus on, is hard. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, 
But what I like about the way you phrased it is it's absolutely we're going for the 80 20, but also we're actually mm-hmm. explicitly planning for that 20. So with yes. the donut, it's like, fine, that's part of your 20. Mm-hmm. Where and when are you going to eat this donut? Like, you know, right. donut, donuts are great, but I love that you're being mm-hmm. more active and actually planning for that because otherwise we all know what happens. You want the donut on the Wednesday. So you have the donut on the Wednesday and you kind of say, oh yeah, that's part of my 20. But then you also right. want the donut on the Thursday, but you know, and then, you end up <laughs> and then I also want it on the Friday. So that's right. it be- becomes more than the 20. So I love that you're actually planning it in. Mm-hmm. It helps make it a little bit more controllable as well, which is nice when mm. you're on your own fitness journeys. Right. One of the things this ties in with me is this idea of resilience. And I think resilience is such an interesting of attribute. It's obviously really important when you're on a fitness journey because, you know, after that initial three weeks of adrenaline and excitement wears off, you're into the grind a bit more and you're like, right, how do I actually keep, I've, I've put off the donut for three weeks, you know, how do I now keep right. going? And with fertility, I mean, the resilience is insane. You know, it's mm-hmm. time after time of tests and, and disappointment and grief. So I'm really interested in how do you help women stay resilient when they are facing adversity? What advice would mm-hmm. you give to people? I really like it when the women are creating kind of their bare minimums. If you know you're going to hit a rough patch or if you have something that's coming up, what can you create as your bare minimum are like the things that you just do. So when you're working on one habit at a time. So, for example, it might be women are doing like their mobility every day. They're going for a walk and they're getting in a bit of protein with each meal. They get to choose what their own bare minimums are. That is the least you're going to do for yourself. And then if the other stuff happens, great. If it doesn't, you don't have to beat yourself up because you know you chose what your bare minimums are. And so, you know, if a life event comes up, if you have, you know, something with your health, if there's like a schedule change or anything, it's that you have your basis that you always go back to. So it's using that dimmer switch effect rather than being on off. You know, this is coming up. I'm not feeling good. I don't really like the way things are going in my life. I'm going to do nothing. But we know in turn that's going to make you feel worse. So if we can just have your bare minimum of your feel goods, those are habits that are pretty easily instilled. Usually we stick to those and then do it. I like to do a reassess. Okay. What's life throwing at you right now? And what are some things that we could reincorporate that will make you feel your best? So you're not feeling frustrated or you're a failure or things aren't working. What is working? And is that your good base? This is brilliant. Bare minimums. This is um, this is fabulous. Do you know what? I was just thinking as you, as you were talking through this, it is so nice to talk about an emotional but practical approach to this health and fitness journey. And it ties into what we were talking about before, about this idea of vulnerability and this idea of shame and embarrassment and nervousness about trying something new. Because when you look in the magazines, when you look in a lot of the health magazines, you still see the weights and the the very classic kind of approach to health and fitness. You, you count your calories and you track your macros and, and you do all mm-hmm. of the things, which is fine. But we need the long term approach of being in touch with your feelings, getting your bare minimums, getting that 1% in there because 1% change is still change. Mm-hmm. These will help people continue for a much, much longer time than a six week, let's smash it and get yourself some abs. This is a completely different right. approach. And I love that. <laughs> it's so important though. When it comes to fertility, it's quite often a very long journey. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. I wish it wasn't. And women are on this journey for a long time. And so the tools that mm-hmm. they're using to support their fertility, they have to be 
long term. And mm-hmm. what I love to do is try and have them support them through the fertility journey, but then through their pregnancy and then after their pregnancy. We're potentially talking years, years of habits yes. here. And this mm-hmm. is what I love about your approach. It's a very emotional, it's a very intuitive approach, but it works. It's a really lovely space for, I'm sure, your clients to be in. <laughs> and we always like to give our lovely listeners just a couple of takeaways from the show. So I thought what might be fun would be if you're happy to share one habit that you find just really helps keep you on your health journey, I can share one habit that helps keep me on my health and fitness journey. And maybe it'll just help our listeners with their own process. Mm-hmm. Would you be happy to share habits that I'm help you? I'm happy. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So I would say one of my number one is I really like to dig into my time management. Every Sunday, I like to look at my week ahead and spend a little bit of time. I have a pretty consistent schedule, but being flexible. So if I know that, say, on Wednesdays, that's I normally go and do my walk at such and such a time and it's not going to work. I like to look ahead. So then it just it's just going to happen. And I'm not feeling frustrated when Wednesday shows up and then I don't find the time. I think time management for me is one of my favorite things to be digging into lately and just making sure that I'm booking myself in first. Love everything you've just said. And it does tie in with my intention setting Sunday. I'm not going to lie. Love all of that. Nice. Amazing. Yeah, perfect. I think for me and people who kind of follow me on Instagram a little bit in Roshan will know this. One of my things that I like to do in the evening because I'm craving chocolate is to go for the teas, the different kind of flavoured teas. And mm-hmm. if I'm feeling a bit wild, I might go for a caramel flavoured tea. And, you know, if I'm feeling a bit tired, <laughs> I might go for a chamomile flavoured tea. It's a really nice way to avoid eating all of the chocolate, which is pretty much what I want to do most evenings. And it's actually a really nice way of calming me down before bed. So nice. for me, having all the different types of teas and, and I think psychologically, even just choosing of a different type of tea, it sounds so simple, but it's like I'm making a choice and I'm in control mm-hmm. of the situation just to help get me through the evening without eating all the chocolate. But it works. <laughs> <laughs> it does it work. <laughs> my favourite. I have enjoyed this conversation so much. I would strongly encourage our listeners to to find you. So where would be the best place that they can they can find you? Well, thank you for having me. And the best place to find me would be on Instagram. And it's Christine with a K. Last name is Williams, Pure Strength and Nutrition. And uh, that's where you can find me. And I really do appreciate you having me today. Thank you so much for your time. It was fabulous chatting to you. Thank you. Christine is so lovely, isn't she? She's really kind. She's really caring. And I love that she has this kind of emotion-focused approach that is massively, massively effective. I think it is absolutely perfect for working with women. I think it's amazing. I think that's often the fear of a lot of people when they start using a personal trainer that what they really are hiring is an ex-military <laughs> SAS-style person who's just going to bark orders and be belligerent mm-hmm. with them. And I think Christine is the absolute polar opposite of that but shows that I think when you're training with women you have to get the emotion you have to understand not the why everyone knows the why people are trying to lose some weight they're trying to get fit for you they're trying to get into the best fertility shape ever we get that that's top line but we have to talk to the reasons why we prevent ourselves from doing it Mm -hmm. you know why we won't take that time out to look after ourselves and to care for ourselves Mm -hmm. this is why I could have talked to her for hours The emotion side of it is so important because it can be a massive barrier. And what I love about what Christine was saying was that question around, you know, what will make you feel good? How will you finish today feeling good? It sounds like such an easy question, but actually when you stop to think about that, that's everything. 
And I'm going to tell you about my new favourite habit of 2024. Oh, this is good. I can't even remember where I came across this. I read it (laughs) or heard it somewhere in the ether. I must be very sugar addicted. I don't really know. But at the end of every single meal, I need to have something sweet. And for some meals, I, you know, grab a pear or an apple, you know, some fruit in order to do that. So now what I've done is I've got a 15 minute route as part of my lunch break where when I eat and I'm finished, I get up and I walk for 15 minutes, between 10 and 15 minutes. I've got this little loop that I do because I've noticed by the time I come back, I just grab my coffee and go back to work and I don't need anything sweet because it's past. But I have to physically move away from the kitchen, in my case, because I work from home. But I think a lot of people that work maybe in the office or whatever, maybe just need to get out of the office and go for a walk and come back. Because by the time you've done a 10, 15 minute little loop, maybe listen to some music, the sugar craving is, it's gone. Let us know if anyone wants to use that and let me know if it works for you. It's it's touch wood. It's working for me at the moment. Mm, I love that. That's, yeah. Awesome advice. Love it. Just get walking. Get walking and also listen to a podcast while you're going. There you go. Habit stacking, Roisin. Habit stacking. And talking about podcasts, Maria, what will we be speaking about next week? Next week. This fits in perfectly, actually, because I am really excited to be chatting to our guest, Zoe. And one of the things Zoe specializes in is fitting in fitness when you are incredibly busy and leading a corporate lifestyle. So I am really excited to talk to her because she's going to tell us basically, how do you do the job? How do you do the career? And how do you still stay fit and healthy along the way? So I can't wait to chat. Thank you so much for listening to this week's show. Remember to subscribe to get a shiny new episode each week. And please rate, comment, and really importantly, share with your friends, especially our trying to conceive sisters. You never know who's struggling and they may need that little bit of extra help. This may come as a surprise, but we are not doctors. We strongly recommend that you consult with your doctor before beginning any exercise or nutrition program. Get everything checked out first. Your safety is our priority. This has been a Worth a Listen production.